Welcome to the show. She's Amy House. He's Scotty Kiffer. Welcome to the show. Yeah, the show is sounding a little bit different this week. Yeah, I'm at my house. We're just trying to maintain some social distance this week. That's right. So we have an awesome guest this week. His latest single, If I Were You, was just released right as COVID-19 happened. Yeah, but it's still got 120,000 streams on Spotify. He's amazing, and he's talking to us from his home in Winnipeg. Total dreamboat. Hey, David James, your king-size stud. Welcome to the show. (laughs) It was only a matter of time before I was on the receiving end of that insult. (laughs) That's not an insult, my friend. That is just the truth. (laughs) I'm doing good. How are you guys? (laughs) Doing great. Yeah, we're doing great. We uh, are having a three-way phone call today because, uh, you know, the whole isolation thing. But uh, glad to be speaking with you, David. And you're calling us from your home in Winnipeg? I am I am indeed home in Winnipeg. Yeah, it is as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> How are you filling your time these days? Oh, man, I'm not. No, I, uh, you know, it's, well, it's a weird time, obviously, to be an artist. No shows. Uh, and I released, oh, by the way, uh, really great timing for any artists out there looking for some marketing strategies. Release an album the day a global pandemic is declared. It works really well. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's like just music business management 101. Yeah, you know, it it, it was really, sort of monopolizes the news cycle a little bit. Uh, But uh, no, you know, so I had just released new music. um, So I know a lot of artists are recording and stuff right now, but I've just been writing a lot. You know, trying to trying to write as often as I can, but uh, you know, I've also been I've also been grateful that I'm you know in in a weird way, kind of the silver lining of of not having shows is kind of being able to be home and hang out with family and and spend some time outside and stuff. You know, I've been I've been outdoors a lot. I've been golfing a lot, which I really love, and and uh, getting getting to just spend time with you know my mom and and my sister and her kids and stuff has, has been a real blessing. So so that's right. been good. So I've been staying busy, just not with uh, the usual summertime festival touring business. It's one of those things, like, you know, when you're used to doing anywhere between two and eight gigs a week, and all of a sudden that's not there, you have time to do all this other stuff. And that's what I'm loving about this situation is that, yeah, I do miss playing, but I've got time to go play golf. I've got time to, mm-hmm. you know, to learn some things in the kitchen, make some cocktails, like work on all the stuff that I don't have time to work on in the bigger picture part of my career. So that's been a blessing for me too. And, and not to mention the, the family bonus time. So, so it's pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm glad that you're, uh, you're able to sort of stay sane and, and uh, hit the golf course. I didn't know you were a golfer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very avid golfer, so I used to compete when I was younger, and, and obviously not so much anymore, but uh, I've been able to get out a lot with my dad this year, which has been really fantastic, you know, just just my travel schedule has kind of been pretty insane the last three or four years, and, and I haven't really been home much, especially in the summer times, uh, at home, I mean, back to Winnipeg, so mm-hmm. um, it, it's been it's been really nice, you know, in uh in a way, it's been really nice to be home and, and be able to, you know, have a summer that I'm sure I'll, I'll cherish for the rest of my life just because I got to, you know, spend a lot of time with uh, those close to me. I will say one thing about, uh, you know, a self-isolation. And I, I live with a musician and it's been really weird having him home because in the summertime, typically he's gone. So you feel like it's the, the, the new norm, but it's like, 
kind of missing my alone time. <laughs> <laughs> now I realize how incompatible we are. <laughs> I don't think that's weird. This I think that's doomed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, we're 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 holding up. Uh, so, oh, that's great that you've been uh, that you've been at least being able to uh, be with family and and do the things that typically you wouldn't be able to do. Because I mean, it's it would have been festival season, right? Yeah, well, and you know, too, like, being in Winnipeg, one of the bonuses, and there are very few, so I count them where I can see them, <laughs> but being in Winnipeg, um, you know, the whole, all of Manitoba really handled, uh, you know, the whole COVID very well. Um, isolation went uh, very well. We had very few cases. I think total in the province, we've had like 150, uh, and we haven't had any new active cases in quite some time, so we've been, we've been open, you know, uh, almost you know, to a sense of normalcy for at least a few weeks now. Uh, and so that's been, a, that's been really great. You know, it's, uh, everybody kept their distance and, and kept healthy and kept safe and, and things are, you know, feels like they're very close to normal now. And I know that that's not true, uh, across the country and around the world. So I feel very fortunate to be here right now. Are you from so, Winnipeg? Yeah. So I, I am from Winnipeg. I was actually, I had, uh, I had plans to be moving down to Nashville. I had a bit of a tour lined up uh, early spring of this year, and I had plans to be moving down to Nashville full-time in April. But uh, obviously that didn't happen. Obviously that was not in the cards for 2020, but uh, we'll, we'll see about perhaps next year. We'll see what the climate is like at that point. Why moving to Nashville? Just to be closer to maybe some of the songwriters, to be you know more immersed with uh, you know the, the, the music world? What's the reason behind that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, I love to write and I'm, you know, continually trying to get better at that and trying to do that every day. And and it just makes more sense to kind of be down there in the room with other writers. I mean, writing on Skype or or FaceTime or whatever, I'm I'm sure Scotty knows is not the the best way to to write. It's, you know, it's a little clunky and frustrating at times. So so for me, just getting down there would mean mean that, uh, you know, just working on that part of my craft and then you know, also just kind of immersing yourself in the industry. I mean, being an artist from from Winnipeg doesn't do a whole lot for my career, um, you know, in terms of even just having many opportunities and things, and you kind of feel like you're passing things up. And, and uh, even just with a plan to move down to Nashville, I'd already lined up some opportunities, which were exciting, which obviously now haven't happened, but uh, hoping hoping that once I uh, am able to get down there again, that we can kind of get the ball rolling and stuff. Who are some of your favorite writers down there? You know, there are so many fantastic writers and so many fantastic Canadian writers. Uh, Obviously, you know, we just had a collection of Canadians, right? The new Lady Antebellum song, uh, Champagne Night, uh, you know, Dwayne and and Madeline. And there's just so many talented people. It feels like you know, you could throw a rock and hit a house of a, a brilliant writer. It mm-hmm. feels like, but you know, I've got I've got a stable of about you know twenty or twenty five that I write with very very frequently. And obviously, as a writer, you're always trying to you know meet and write with new people. You know, kind of uh, bring fresh ideas to the room and and maybe find a chemistry that you'd already have with somebody. Back in March, uh, I th- believe that was your latest release. If I were you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think I read that you had said that this was one of your favorite releases. Yeah, you know, this song is just so much fun. And, you know, the thing about it, too, um, we had kind of finished up the EP and, and we pretty much finished most of what we had set out to do in the studio. 
And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, a producer friend of mine, uh, his name's Corey, he works with Jess and Moss Luke and, and um, works with a number of acts, you know, down south, Chris Young, Florida, Georgia line. Uh, he, he tossed me a song because uh, he knew, knew we were working on a project and that he thought would be a good fit. And, uh, of course, we'd all already pretty much finished up everything, but my producer and I gave it a listen, and within about the 30 seconds, we kind of just had this look on our face that this was the direction that I had really wanted to go with this album, and I felt like we weren't quite there yet. And then we got the song, and it just, you know, we had to pull a whole 180 on the project and re-recorded some stuff, and, and we're really excited to get in the studio with this song. And, and it wasn't until later I found out it was, uh, you know, after, after we were finished it and we were releasing the song, it wasn't until later I found out that he had co-written the song with Florida Georgia Line and with uh, Hardy. So, so for me, those are obviously two really fabulous artists and a handful of, you know, incredible songwriters and and it just made total sense and and uh, just makes total sense for the project and i felt very fortunate to uh to be able to cut it that's rad yeah no kidding that's awesome so with each uh, single that you release how do you feel as an artist that you're changing or growing evolving yeah i mean hopefully you know and whatever it is you're doing you're growing you know and, and evolving and getting better and for an artist, I guess it's no different. I, I mean, I think the further along in my career that I've gotten and, and the little bits and pieces of success we've had at radio and with live shows and stuff, you you want to get better and you want to keep evolving. But at the same time, you really want to uh, keep your fans happy because they kind of allow you to do what you do. And, and uh, you know, you've developed this group of people who have, you know, an affinity for your sound and the songs you're singing. So... For me, you know, it's it's kind of just trying to straddle that line between taking steps forward and and keeping things fresh and fun and and stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all about the fans and and uh, really cultivating songs that create a really fun experience for a live show because you know that's that's what it's all about. And and uh, I've just been so fortunate that you know even in the midst of all of this uh, pandemic stuff that, uh, you know, the fans have been really supportive and in, uh, you know, listening to the song and streaming it and uh, requesting a radio, it's been pretty special. What do you miss most about performing live? Oh, man, everything. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, uh, it sucks not being able to perform. Uh, last year, we played close to 100 shows. You know, we did that big tour with Aaron Prochette, which was about you know, 75 or 80 shows and we had a bunch of festival dates and, and our own shows. And, and, uh, so, so it just sucks. You know, it's, that's my favorite thing. You know, I, I love creating and I love being in the studio, but being able to perform your songs live is, um, you know, it's like a drug. And, uh, for me, it's just the ult- ultimate connection with your fans. And, and, you know, there've been so many concerts, which for me have just been defining parts of my life and, and really guiding me towards wanting to pursue a career in music. So, uh, if we could bring that same level of energy and excitement to fans on a nightly basis, and that's just the coolest thing. So, in short, I miss it all, but, uh, you know, I, I don't miss guys like Scotty coming backstage, you know, and stealing all my beers. So, yeah, I'm the worst. <laughs> I am the actual Taking advantage worst. of the rider. <laughs> Although, I tell you what, I, I will say this. I have never stolen a beer from a rider. <laughs> that is a true story. And I'll tell you why. It's because I'm allergic to beer. 
That's the only reason. There's no moral issue. That there. is the only reason. No, no, no. If you've got red wine or if you've got a bottle of whiskey, it's gone. But uh, your beer is safe with me. <laughs> let's go back in time a little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about how you got your start for a minute. I know about the the CCMA discovery thing, but let's go back even further than that for a minute and talk about the moment that you decided that you wanted to do this. I mean, there there have been a few. I think. You know, as I mentioned before, like I, I went to some really great concerts growing up that really kind of put it in my brain that maybe this could be an option and, and like something that I really wanted to pursue. And, and I remember, you know, a lot of high schools have like drama productions or, or things like that. Uh, but our high school had a rock show, it was called. And it was because we had a history teacher who used to play rhythm guitar in the Guess Who and, and uh, a bunch of other classic rock bands. And his affinity for rock music, he kind of created this spectacle. It was like a five-day show, uh, five days of performances where, you know, a hundred kids from school would make up, you know, 20 different bands and and there would be lighting and sound and stuff. And I just remember being a part of that. And that was my first real experience in the world of music and and, uh, performing and and that really planted a seed uh, for me that this was something I really wanted to pursue. You know, just being able to get up there every night for a week and and just feel the rush and the energy and feed off the crowd and, and just sing my heart out, I thought was the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I mean, from there, you know, I just kind of started playing in cover bands and played in bars and things. And, and um, this one night I was playing in a random bar in the French Quarter of Winnipeg, St. Boniface. And uh, a guy walks in and he, he's like, hey, you know, have you ever thought about recording your own music? And, and the rest is kind of history, you know, and, and we kind of just started writing and, and recording. And, and uh, I guess that's kind of how I got my start. But uh, the CCMA Discovery Program, which you mentioned, was uh, a huge catalyst in uh, helping me, you know, kind of cultivate a career out of this. First of all, let's shout out the, the teacher because that's rad. Who that's is that? so rad. Yeah, his name is John Anderson. So he's also become a rock and roll historian a little bit. He's written a bunch of books and stuff, and and it was so cool. Like he, he just uh, he even during uh, the school ski trip, if you didn't want to go skiing, he would teach a, a class in rock and roll history. So that is rad, dude. That is really yeah. cool. And then the other shout out is to the guy who walked into that bar. Who is that? That was a guitar player by the name of Darren Savard who uh, plays, uh, who's played with Dallas Smith for about, you know, I think probably close to 10 years now uh, since Dallas Dallas got a certain country music and played with Derek Rattan and stuff. So Darren is from Winnipeg and was just at the bar that night meeting some friends when he was in town for a couple of weeks. And, and uh, you know, he was really essential to me kind of making connections in the country world and, and kind of getting started recording my own music, you know, and helping me find my voice. What was the path then from the moment you meet Darren, let's say, to the point where you do the Discovery Contest? We kind of just started writing a recording, and and he had never produced anything before, so we were kind of both just getting our feet wet, and we decided we were going to, you know, maybe put together five or six songs and and kind of figure out how it all worked. And and so we we did that, and... and, uh, you know, it wasn't very good. <laughs> not going <laughs> to lie. It wasn't very good, but it was a start, you know, and it really kind of, for me, I just caught the bug of wanting to create music in a studio and, uh, you know, really it helped me kind of find my voice. And, and through that, you know, through Darren's connection in the country world, we had kind of heard about this discovery program showcase 
and I kind of looked at it, and it was basically a week-long boot camp in the industry where you got to meet players, you know, from record labels to producers to radio promotions to uh, radio personalities to marketing to all of these different gurus, social media experts. So you got a, a week-long boot camp, which I thought was invaluable, and then you got to perform for a bunch of them. And, and uh, you know, I just kind of put up a prayer, and I said, all right, I'm going to try and get into this thing, and I somehow did. I don't know that I was ready for it, but it somehow allowed me to get in, and, and then through that, I kind of met Mike Denny at MDM Recordings and, and signed my first record deal, and, and we've been working together ever since. So it was a lot of luck and timing, I will say. And timing really is everything when it comes to things like that, right? Yeah, you know, I often get the question from aspiring artists, what steps do I need to take? And, and it's just such a tough thing because, you know, it's, it's really got to be a lot of things lining up at once. But I always say that, you know, luck is just timing when timing meets preparedness, right? So even when something feels, you know, lucky or, or something feels like overnight, it's just when the right timing meets the, the person who's been preparing and, and really working hard at their gift. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of the only advice really I have is just to, to always be ready so when you get those opportunities, you can make the most of them. Yeah, your label mate, Bobby Wills, actually said something sort of similar to that. He said, if you can do nothing else, just do one thing every day to further your agenda. So whether that's getting up and writing a song or practicing your guitar for half an hour or whatever it is, do something every day so that you're continuing to prepare yourself for when that moment arrives. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and you know what? It's, it's, it is really that easy. And, and so often I've talked to new aspiring artists and, and they've kind of, you know, felt like they were at a place where, you know, let's say maybe they're extremely talented, but they kind of feel like the world owes it to them to succeed. And that's just the wrong mentality. You know, you have to keep working and you have to keep seeking out opportunities. You know, this is one of those industries where opportunities aren't going to come to you unless you're working at it and unless you're seeking them out. Take us back a little bit. Did you come from a musical family? Um, Sort of. The way I learned how to sing was my sister, who is a very talented uh, piano player and singer, she used to be downstairs on our grand piano and she used to play and sing along because she used to take voice lessons and piano lessons. And I just remember being upstairs in my room in my closet trying to sing along with her, just trying to mimic what she was doing. And uh, that was that was kind of my only experience in, 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 in figuring kind of out how to sing and, and how music worked was just by listening to her. So she's very talented. But uh, my mom kind of, you know, brought and raised me to listen to a lot of old gospel music, uh, you know, just beautiful harmonies and massive melodies and, and stuff. And, and she used to take me to church on Sundays a couple times a week where you were kind of exposed to that sort of thing. And then, and then my dad exposed me to more so the classic rock and country world. So I just remember, you know, early 6.30 a.m. drives to the rink in his truck and minus 45 in Winnipeg and... Uh, <laughs> And he would pick a CD for the the car ride, and it would always be different. And I would just get exposed to all these killer artists like the Rolling Stones or Roy Orbison or Johnny Cash or, you know, whoever. So it wasn't so much my parents being musically inclined as much as they just have a passion and a love for music. Mm -hmm. And I guess it kind of just wore off on me. Who were some of your major influences? You know, I've had so many. I mean, my dad raised me to listen to classic rock and my mom like i said you know exposed me to gospel music and 
my very first band was an 80s hair metal cover band and and my my first girlfriend loved country music and and you know i kind of just got exposed to all these things at different times in my life and and uh but i guess i'm just a real fan of music you know there's not any particular genres that you know i really really love i just love them all we need to talk more about that 80s uh metal band that you were in (laughs) (laughs) well here's the story so my junior high school had well like you remember like canadian idol obviously american Mm -hmm. idol still going on i think it's probably like season 500 at this point yeah yeah but uh yeah, so we had like our version of Canadian Idol at our junior high school, and it was a lunch hour. And so the audition was one day, and the finals were the next. And so 10 people auditioned, and the top eight made the final. So I was like, okay, very good odds here. So I was this, you know, 14 year old kid. I walk up, I sing, I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. Massive song for a 14 year old to take on. Uh, and I didn't make the top eight. I was in the bottom two. <laughs> oh, man. But I know, so sad. But, you know, there was a couple of my classmates who were in the 80s. They, like, played metal guitar, like, uh, I guess, Van Halen and Motley Crue. And, and apparently they thought I at least had an okay range. So they said, hey, do you want to be in our cool band? And I said, sure, why not? Not really knowing much about 80s hair metal but you know it was it was a cool experience and and uh, i still get together and jam with uh with them whenever we're all in town together it's always fun what <laughs> was the cool. name so of the band two- oh man okay <laughs> it was called double shot which is ironic because <laughs> neither of us were none of us were legally allowed to drink <laughs> And our band posters said double shot in this really lame, like, uh, I don't know, that super gothic writing. And then there was two shot glasses and pistols with a bullet coming out of each. Like, it was very, it doesn't get more 80s than that. Okay, two questions. Did you have the hair and are there pictures? (laughs) <laughs> I will never answer either of those questions. Oh, come on. Uh, I had, well, I had a bit of a shag in high school, so I had shaggy hair, so it wasn't, like, crazy long. Uh, but there's pictures definitely of leather pants floating around, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we're, we're just not going to get into this. <laughs> leather pants, eh? <laughs> you have to baby powder the legs luck. first. I'm thinking of bringing it back. You have to baby powder the legs first, or otherwise you'll be like Ross and Friends where he couldn't get his pants back up. <laughs> so, what a great episode. It was so good. Um, uh, speaking of 80s hair, how is the uh, the COVID hair situation? Because Scotty has got these beautiful curly locks that are coming out with him uh, growing his hair out. What about you? Uh, mine was really bad. Like we we've kind of are back to normal here, so we're able to get haircuts and stuff. So I've I've actually already had two haircuts, um, but it was pretty long. But what was really bad was my beard. I just I didn't <laughs> feel confident. So here's the thing: I didn't feel confident trimming it all COVID because I'm like I want to grow this out, and then it was really long, and I'm like, oh man, I should I should trim this, but I I don't want to mess it up. And so I went to the barber for my first haircut, and he said, do you want me to line up your beard? And I was like, yeah, but I really don't have time. I'll do it next time. And so I left, and then I'm at home, and I'm like, oh, man, I really should have gotten him to do that. You know what? I'll just do it instead. It's no problem. 
pass with the razor, oh, no. and I shave a bald spot right into my beard. <laughs> oh, dude. So I was clean shaven for the first time since I could grow a teen mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it's back now, though. It's back. Don't worry. Don't worry, ladies. The beard is back. I know. I was going to say that'd be tragic because you've got you grow a decent beard. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's, the, it's honestly the thing that I'm most proud of. <laughs> so, David, what did we learn? <laughs> <laughs> Always trust a professional. You had mentioned that you have been writing, uh, being at home in Winnipeg and not being able to um, uh, tour. And have you been able to collaborate with uh, some of your people that you love to write with? Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's it's uh, it's been a lot of Skype writes and stuff, so... Um, you know, it, it goes okay from time to time, but I'm more so kind of just writing a bunch on my own and trying to amass a catalog of stuff, which I can then take to other writers for feedback and, and maybe we can work on some ideas together. So that's kind of the stage I'm at right now. I'm just trying to amass a few different, uh, ideas and then, and then kind of take them to them for a final tweaking. So do you have anything on the horizon that we should be uh, watching out for? Or are we just, uh, you know, you're just taking a bit of a breather with the rest of the world? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, this COVID limbo right now Mm -hmm. uh, where we're all just trying to figure out. I mean, shows are starting to get announced for next year. So fingers crossed, you know, that'll that'll be okay. You know, festival lineups and things. So hopefully, hopefully those will continue to get booked and announced and, and we'll be okay to go for that. But I think the main thing right now is just everybody's staying safe and healthy and and we'll get back to live shows as soon as we can. I know. I so miss it. I mean, I can only imagine how you guys are feeling, but as a, uh, you know, uh, just a, I'm not a musician, but I love live music and it's been, uh, it's been a bit of a drag. And even though I know it, it has to be this way. It's just, I I'm right there with you. So I, I, I feel it totally. Yeah. And you know, it's just, it's so tough too, not just for, for artists, but I mean, it's for, all the musicians and, and I mean, all of the people that work to put on these shows, you know, everybody who works at the festivals, and, you know, all the lighting and stage crews and, and uh, tour managers. And like, you just feel so bad for everybody right now. The whole industry is hurting. Uh, that's why organizations like the Unison, the Benevolent Fund are so important. And, and so, you know, hopefully, hopefully sooner than later, we can get everyone back to work and, and we can get uh, people feeling comfortable coming out to live shows and, and because that's the that's the best part of music, you know, just bringing everybody together and, and celebrating music. Yeah, man. I think it's time for David James to turn us on. Okay, so this uh, David is. <laughs> <laughs> it's always time for that, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll leave you. I'll leave you with your bromance here, there, men. Okay, so turn us on. This is where we want you to uh, share with us something that um, you've recently fell in love with, whether it's a new recipe, a book you've read, uh, an, an artist that you've discovered. Anything that has been amazing in your life that you've discovered, we want you to turn us on to it. Well, you know, I, I've always had an affinity uh, for the world of uh, bartending and mixology. You know, I bartended to pay for my first couple of records and to pay for my university degree. And uh, so I just encourage people to just, you know, look on YouTube or I've got a bunch of my socials and and uh, it's really a lot easier than you think to make cocktails at home. You don't need a bunch of crazy ingredients. You don't need a bunch of crazy tools. Um, you know, it's just it's just something that, it's just such a great thing to know. It's just such a great 
tool and and once you start drinking cocktails i just think you know your life gets better because you're walking around happy all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good way to look at it you were going to uh, walk us through making a cocktail so what were you going to make for us well i was thinking about a whiskey sour i mean the great thing about any kind of sour is the ingredients basically remain the same the only thing that changes is the booze so you can make a gin sour or a rum sour or a whiskey sour but, I mean, you only need three ingredients. You need lemon juice, you need an egg white, and you need simple syrup, which is just uh, blended sugar and water, just equal parts. You can blend it in your blender for 30 seconds. It'll sit in the fridge for a month. It's fine. And it's just equal parts of everything. So lemon juice, egg white, simple syrup, and, and the booze. And then you're just good to go. So for me, it's a whiskey sour. It's four ingredients. Anybody can make it at home. You just have to shake it up. If you don't have... You know, bar cocktail shakers, you can use a sealable mason jar, or you can use, I use like my Nutribullet container, it seals, and you can just shake it up. (laughs) But it's just literally the easiest thing in the world. What does the egg white do? I've always wanted to know that. So the only thing they do is they change the texture of the drink, Mm. and they just make it silky and creamy and a little bit frothy. You don't taste the egg white at all. It doesn't taste like protein. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and it's too, totally healthy. People are always freaked out, but, I mean, you're not going to get salmonella from egg white. You're more likely, uh, I read the study, to get salmonella from raw broccoli, which is an excuse not to eat your broccoli, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you're more likely to get salmonella from raw broccoli. It's not going to happen with egg white. If you've ever eaten a lemon meringue pie or something, you've had egg whites before. They're very healthy. They're fine. Uh, and if you've ever seen the Rocky movies, you know, he chugs a bunch of true. raw eggs and he gets super strong and he yep. fights big guys. So they're good for you, too. So it makes it makes the drink nutritious, too. It's like, oh, this is part of my meal plan because I'm having protein. Okay, so I'm not much of a I'm not much of a, a, a liquor drinker, but um, when I do, I go for the old fashions. Yeah. And is the old fashioned um, better when you have the liquid sugar as opposed to like just putting granulated sugar? I've always I've the, wanted to ask a professional for ages. So the, the only thing is the old fashioned is best when the sugar is totally dissolved. So nice. if it's liquid, like a simple syrup, which you can make at home just by blending, you could literally blend a half cup of sugar and a half cup of water and then you'll have it. But uh, if you want to go just the regular packaged sugar or whatever, that's fine. Just stir it until the sugar is dissolved because that's when it's absorbing all of the sweetness and all the flavor. So not, there isn't one that's better than the other. Traditionally, uh, it's sugar cubes, but they're also fully stirred. And you have to stir to dissolve, dissolve it for like a minute, uh, which is pretty time-consuming. But, I was going to say, who's uh, got the time for that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know... I know Scotty doesn't have a busy social calendar, so he's got more than enough time to stir for as long as he wants, but... (laughs) Oh, my God. It was a joke! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, David, we've got got one more thing that we want to uh, get to here. It's called Five Questions. Don't think too, too hard on it, but we're going to ask you five questions and uh, looking forward to hearing your answers. Scotty, start us off. Okay, cool. Uh, this is a follow-up to the uh, cocktail situation. Uh, it's a two-part question. One, what is your favorite cocktail? Old-fashioned. Yes. Love it. Okay. And uh, the follow-up is, what is your feeling on 
the giant round ice cube. <laughs> Love it. It's great. So this is why the giant ice cube is good. There's a scientific reason. So because it's bigger, it occupies more of the glass, which keeps the drink colder. But because there's less surface area than 100 little ice cubes, it it's not going to dilute as quickly. Yeah, so it keeps yeah, yeah. it colder longer, and it doesn't overly dilute. Love it. Thanks, there's, Professor. There's a, <laughs> <laughs> push his glasses up with finger. <laughs> okay, um, David, well, what's a song that you wish you wrote? Ooh, man, song I wish I wrote. Uh, Humble and Kind, Tim McGraw. Nice. Good call. Uh, what is an instrument that you wish you played? I wish I could sit down at a piano and play really well. I, I kind of taught myself chords, but uh, that's one of those instruments where, I mean, as a kid, I probably would have said no to lessons, but uh, retroactively, I, I really wish I could go back and, and give myself a kick in the teeth for that one. Mm, totally. <laughs> I always skipped out on my uh, my piano lessons. My parents would um, drop me off, and I'd go and hide in the backyard because I didn't want to go, and now I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm upset that I didn't learn, so I'm right with you on that one. Uh, what Maybe is, yeah. plays a mean flute, though. I do play mean flutes. It's true. Uh, what is a dream collaboration for you? Ooh, um, I would actually, actually, you know what? An attainable one would be uh, doing a song with one of the fabulous females we have, uh, Canadian country music. You know, uh, I'm very close with Jeff Moskaluk, so maybe somebody like that, or Tennille Towns, who's just such an incredible human being and mm-hmm. love her to death. So, doing something like that, I think, uh, I think is in the cards in the near future. Hopefully, nice. fingers crossed. Cool. And if there was a movie of the life of David James, who would play the lead role? Okay. Uh, who's the most handsome guy we can think of? <laughs> uh, I would. I, I mean, I, I have an affinity for Christopher Walken. I mean, I don't know if he'd be the right person to play me, but he's the, pretty much the best. So, <laughs> And you do a Walken impression? No. Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know what this song needs more cowbell <laughs> <laughs> wow that was come really... on I mean come on oh no. let's go <laughs> <laughs> there's a have you seen the thing of Kevin Pollock uh, I think he's on Howard Stern or some some radio morning show and he's telling a story about leaving a party and walking outside the hotel where the party was at and he was like lost no but that sounds hilarious dude you got to look it up. I'm not going to spoil it for you. If you're listening to the podcast and you're a walk-in fan, you've got to check this out. It's Kevin Pollock talking about walk-in. He does the impression and the whole bit. It's hilarious. I'm going definitely looking that up after this. Nice. We'll <laughs> check it out. Nice. David James, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Oh, my God. Thank you guys so much. This was a... Uh... I can't believe it, but I actually had fun here. No. <laughs> <laughs> you sound surprised. I'm. You just got to go into these things with really a low expectation. Anytime my name is on something, you got to go in with that intention. So, <laughs> or or just don't go in it at all. Like, you <laughs> know what? That's right. <laughs> well, hey, we we appreciate just loving it, buddy. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. I love you guys, and uh, and hopefully we can hang out soon and, and do one of these in person one of these days. Yeah, man, sounds to. good. Over a couple of old fashions. Sounds good. Take care. He is always so much fun to talk to. You know what? I actually, I haven't talked to David in uh, quite some time, so that was really great to catch up.
it was nice to catch up. And and yeah, I mean, it's always great when a guy can get a bunch of Scotty digs in into a podcast. I really, really appreciate that. That was uh, actually really impressive. So good on you, David James. <laughs> <laughs> Social media, let's talk about it. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at the show on the go. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe to the podcast. We would love to hear from you too if you want to send us a message. He's Scotty Kiffer. She's Amy Elf. Welcome to the show.